Good morning, my dear brothers and sisters. I sure miss you, but I have a question for you. Have you ever maybe been out on a walk with someone who says, oh, look at that, look at that bird. And, and you turn to look, but you can't see what they're pointing at. And they say, oh, you missed it. It was the most gorgeous blue or most gorgeous red. And they go on to describe this amazing thing that you didn't see. Or maybe you've been stuck in the house all day and one of your family members comes in and says, wow, did you see that sunset? And you rush outside, but all the color and light has faded. You know, a little while ago, I, I went into a restaurant back at a time when that was allowed. I went into a restaurant while my friends were parking the car and I went in to get a table. And it just so happened that the amazing actor, Denzel Washington, was there. He came right up behind me to say goodbye to the owner before he went out the door. And just a few seconds later, my friends came in. And they said, did you guys see Denzel Washington? He just went out that door, you came in. And they said, oh no, we weren't paying attention to who was going out as we were coming in. So they missed him. The reason I'm talking about this is because in our passage today, we're gonna to read about two different groups of people. Both had looked forward their whole lives to a miracle, but one group missed it, while the other group knew just where to look. You picked a great day to push play and attend our virtual service today because we are in a spectacular place in God's word. First, let's pray. Father, please don't let us miss the truth that you have for us this morning. Don't let our minds be distracted. Father, keep our attention on you. Don't let our attention wander, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Please turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. We're going to cover the first 20 verses. Luke, 20, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 20. This is probably one of the most famous places in all the Bible. You've probably heard this story every year at Christmas for your whole life. And sometimes when we hear a story over and over again, it can kind of lose its meaning, can't it? As we go through this passage today, I'd like you to try to do something. Try to imagine yourself in this story. Try to imagine that all of, all of this is happening for the first time and you don't know what's going to happen next, okay? Let's read together Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Now, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone was on his way to register for the census, each in his own city. Luke gives us some historic facts about the Roman world to underscore the fact that this story is true. This is a true story about real events and real people that took place at a real time in history. The key person that Luke mentions is this fellow Caesar Augustus. Well, who's that? Caesar Augustus was born with the name Octavian. And Octavian was related to Julius Caesar. Octavian's grandmother was Julius Caesar's sister. Okay, Octavian's grandmother was Julius Caesar's sister. And as Octavian grew up, he was such a brilliant and impressive young man that Julius Caesar adopted him as his son. And Julius Caesar named Octavian to be the official heir. 
So that was great news. But then about a year after that, Julius Caesar was assassinated. And this threw the whole Mediterranean world into a vicious civil war that lasted for decades. Armies fought armies for control. And eventually, about 30 years before Jesus was born, the civil war ended at a famous battle you might remember from your history books. Octavian's army and warships clashed against the army and warships led by a very famous Roman general named Mark Antony. And Mark Antony had joined forces with Queen Cleopatra of Egypt. But Octavian won the battle and he won the war. So he became the sole ruler of the Roman world and he took the title Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus brought peace, he brought prosperity, and he brought stability back to the Roman people, but at a price. For hundreds of years, Rome had been a republic. They were a republic governed by laws and leaders and the Senate. But Octavian changed that when he had the Roman Senate officially give him the title Augustus. Augustus means sacred, revered. So Rome was no longer a republic ruled by laws. Rome was now an empire ruled by an emperor. As the first emperor of Rome, Caesar Augustus laid the foundation for the Pax Romana, Pax Romana, which was Latin, which I can't obviously pronounce very well, uh, for Roman peace. And it lasted about 200 years. This historic overview helps us understand the world that Jesus was born into. The world at this time was hungry for a savior. The world found a temporary savior in Caesar Augustus, but he was just a man and he was far from perfect and corruption and all kinds of other trouble remained. So let's put ourselves in the story now. Imagine we are living in the Roman Empire and our emperor, our government, has issued an official order. And this order is going to impact all of our lives. I think we can probably all relate with that. Caesar Augustus wants to register everybody. Why? Is Caesar Augustus just a really friendly fellow that wants to get to know everybody in his empire? No, this census was a head count for tax purposes. In other words, Caesar Augustus wanted to locate everyone that owed him money. Everyone had to register in their hometown. This is actually the opposite of the situation you and I find ourselves in today. Instead of the government ordering everybody to stay home, the government was ordering everybody to travel. Everyone hit the road. They booked hotels. They made restaurant reservations. And they got together with friends and family that they hadn't seen in a long time. Sounds nice, doesn't it? Let's read on. Verses 4 to 7, Luke chapter 2. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. Uh, pause for here a minute to note that this is about an 80-mile journey for them. So this was no simple thing in those days. Uh, verse 6. While they were there, the days were completed for Mary to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger 
because there was no room for them in the end. Verse 7 is one of the most incredible statements in the Bible. The Son of God has come to earth, the earth he created, and there's no room for him. The world hasn't changed much, has it? There still doesn't seem to be much room for Jesus in the world. But what about in our own lives? We each need to look inside our own hearts and see how much room we have made for the Son of God. Are we giving Jesus just a manger, just a little piece of our lives? Or have we invited Jesus to fill every part, every part of our lives? Bethlehem was too overcrowded and too busy to make room for Jesus. Does that describe our lives too? Do we sometimes get too busy to have any time or any place for Jesus? Do we sometimes just let ourselves get too busy to have any time or any place for Jesus, the Son of God? Imagine we're with Joseph and Mary in Bethlehem. Lots of other travelers found lodging, but there's no room for us. Hmm. Apparently none of Joseph's, Joseph's family or friends wanted to help. Wow. What a sad situation. This is really messed up, right? Or is it perfect? Is it messed up or is it perfect? Which one is it? It depends on how we look at it. It looks messed up from our human point of view, doesn't it? How unfair, how discouraging, how wrong. How wrong to need a place to safely give birth and you can't even find room in an inn. But it's perfect. It's perfect when we look at it from God's point of view. Let's think about this. Do we really think Almighty God couldn't get a reservation in the little town of Bethlehem if he wanted one? God could have had his son born on the throne of Caesar Augustus in Rome if that's what he wanted, but that was not God's plan. With perfect wisdom and unlimited power, God chose to have his son, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, born in a manger. A manger is just a feeding trough for animals. And historians believe that Jesus' birthplace was likely a cave, just a hole in the wall. You know, sometimes you and I, we face situations that look pretty messed up to us, right? Things aren't working out like we want them to. When that happens, we need to remember that our perfect and loving God has us just where he wants us. He has us just where he wants us. We may not understand what we're going through and why we're going through it, but we can trust. We can trust our perfect God who has a perfect plan for us and trust that he is in control and he is working in our lives so we can praise him and we can thank him and we can absolutely trust him no matter what. Bethlehem was full of locals and travelers people who had heard about the coming of Messiah for all their lives. And now the Messiah had come. 
But all these hustling and bustling people, they didn't look inside that cave or look in that manger to see their Savior. This passage, this passage always makes me wonder, how many blessings from God have I missed because I was too busy, I was too distracted to look for Jesus in the situation? Let me ask that question again, and if I may, I'll include you in the question. How many blessings from God have you and I missed because we're too busy or we're too distracted to look for Jesus in the situation? This passage also shows us how easy it is to underestimate God. Do you ever think you've got God figured out? Have you ever thought, well, God's going to work this way, not that way, or God's going to do this. He's not going to do that. God's ways are so high above our ways. We are wise. We are very wise when we stop trying to predict what we think God will do and just trust the fact that whatever God is going to do is best for us. Whatever God is going to do in our lives is always best for us. We can trust that. Even though the prophets, such as Micah, foretold of the Messiah being born in Bethlehem, the people of Bethlehem missed the Messiah's birthday. But let's read about some people that did not miss the miracle of Christ's birth. Let's read together verses 8 to 12. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, laying in a manger. When Jesus was born, God sent the birth announcement not to all those folks in town, but God proclaimed his great news to simple shepherds who were staying out in the fields. Today, we would say these shepherds were socially distancing themselves out in the fields. Shepherds were pretty far down the social ladder of that day, but it's interesting that some of Israel's greatest heroes were shepherds, people like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and David. Imagine now being one of those shepherds. You're out there doing your job, just like you did last night and the night before that and every night since you graduated from shepherd school. You're working the graveyard shift. You're watching out for wild animals and robbers, but you don't count the sheep because that would put you to sleep. It's just another routine night with the flock. But sometimes, God likes to interrupt our routines. All of a sudden, an angel appears. He stands right in front of you. And the glory of the Lord turns night into day. And it terrifies you and your fellow shepherds, men who do not scare easily. We see here the principle that when God changes our routine, it scares us. When God changes our routine, it scares us. Our first reaction to change is fear. 
No wonder the angel's first words were, don't be afraid. All through the Bible, all through the Bible, God tells us not to be afraid when he's at work because we can always trust him. We never need to be afraid when God is at work and he's always working because we can trust him. This angel says he has good news of great joy. This is quite an understatement. This angel doesn't just have good news. He actually has the greatest news the world has ever heard and will ever hear. Listen again. He says, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a savior who is Christ the Lord. This incredible news is timeless. It's still true today. The Messiah, the Savior, the Lord Jesus has come for all the people, for you and for me. We can stop right here and just be overwhelmed with God's love for us to send his son to save us forever. But we have to read on because the story just keeps getting better, but we don't know what's going to happen next. So let's read verses 13 to 14. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. One angel lit up the night. Now all his friends show up. A great multitude of angels couldn't contain themselves any longer. They burst on the scene to praise God. What did that look like? What did that sound like? What does it look like and sound like when angels spontaneously shout or sing their praises to God? Someday we're going to know because we're going to hear them and see them for ourselves when we're in heaven and we're going to join in with them. The birth of Jesus is the greatest news the word will the word the world will ever hear. It's the greatest news the world will ever hear. Why? Because Jesus brings something everyone desperately needs. Look at verse 14 again. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Last week Pastor Drew reminded us that Jesus came to put an end to our conflict with sin and death. Jesus came to put an end to our separation from God. Jesus set us free from God's wrath. Jesus brought us real, everlasting peace. In Jesus, we can have peace with God. We can have peace in our circumstances. We can have peace in our hearts, every day now and forever. Listen, please, to what a first century writer wrote. Um, his name was uh, Epictetus. He was a Greek philosopher, and he wrote this about 2,000 years ago. He wrote, The emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, but he is unable to give peace of heart, for which men yearn for more than even outward peace. Let me read that again from this Greek philosopher. The emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, but he is unable to give peace of heart, for which men yearn for more than even outward peace. In Christ, we can have peace in our hearts. Praise be to God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. 
What's going to happen next? We don't know, so we better read on. Verses 15 to 16. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. In the blink of an eye, heaven lit up the world. Then in a blink of an eye, all was back to normal. But the shepherds were changed forever. These men heard the words of God, the truth of God, and his truth changes us forever. These shepherds were men of faith. You know, they didn't say, let's go check this out. Let's go see if this is true. They didn't say that. They said, no, let's go straight to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They believed everything God told them. They believed everything God told them. So they hurried to find their Savior. This is how to find peace. This is how to find forgiveness. And this is how to find salvation. Believe God's words and go straight to Jesus. Imagine you're one of those shepherds on this very special night. All your life, you heard about the coming of the Messiah. Maybe you thought you'd probably never really see him in your lifetime. And now you're on your way to meet the Son of God. <laughs> Try to picture the moment when you and your fellow shepherds find the place where Jesus was born, and it's exactly how the angel told you it would be. What are you thinking? And what are you feeling when you see baby Jesus for the first time? As a shepherd, you were likely the ones who protected the temple lambs, the lambs that were used for sacrifices. And now you are among the first to see the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This, this is the meaning of Christmas. And it's the meaning of life for the believer. Jesus is the Lamb of God. He has come to save us from our sins forever. Shouldn't we rejoice in that news every moment of every day of our lives? Let's read the end of our passage, verses 17 to 20. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. After the shepherds saw Jesus, they spread the word that Jesus, the Messiah, is here. And all who heard their words wondered, or some translations said, they were amazed. The people probably didn't fully understand or maybe even believe all that the shepherds said, but hopefully they would later. And what does Mary do? you got to love Mary. I can't wait to meet her in heaven. Mary just calmly took it all in and meditated on it. She treasured it in her heart. Mary probably thought about what brought her to Bethlehem. A Roman emperor made a decree that caused her and Joseph to travel there. Then maybe Mary thought about that messed up situation where they couldn't even find room in the end. And yet, 
Everything was part of God's perfect plan. God works through all kinds of people and all kinds of situations to accomplish his perfect will in our lives. The more you and I understand this about God, the more we can be calm and we can treasure the unpredictable will of God in our hearts like Mary did. The shepherds returned to their fields. They returned to the flocks. They returned to their lives, glorifying and praising God because everything the Lord told them was true. You and I, we can rejoice too because everything God has told us in his word, in this story, and in this entire book is true. We can rejoice in that this morning. Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is the Lamb of God who takes away our sins, past, present, and future. He gives us peace with God and peace in our hearts. Jesus is our Savior. No matter what's going on in your life today or tomorrow, please try to remember what the angel said. I'll remind you, the angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. A savior has been born for you. Jesus came for you. He is here for you. Don't miss him. Please don't miss him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your perfect plan. Thank you for sending your son into this world to save us. Father, we're sorry for the times that we just give Jesus a manger, just a little piece of our lives. Father, let us be people that open up our hearts and give you all of, of our lives, every part. Thank you for this wonderful truth that you've told us today. We thank you in Jesus' saving name. Amen.